Welcome to the AccuSprout Podcast, where it's my mission to help new practitioners of Chinese medicine navigate from school to career. I'm Stacy. I'm an acupuncturist and herbalist, podcaster, coach, and creator of Magical Networks. Be sure to check out all four pillars of the podcast where I cover case studies to sharpen your clinical skills, mindset Mondays to support your mental health, new practitioner interviews to prove that you are not alone, and all things business from launching your practice to negotiating your pay if you choose to be an employee. This podcast is made possible by our sponsors. So if you would like to support the podcast, be sure to check out the sponsors page on the website to claim your special AccuSprout offers. When I first started my practice, I was actually kind of a disaster when it came to my books. I hired an accountant who actually laundered money from another client. So I went on a quest to find a bookkeeper who really tailors to and loves working with acupuncturists. And I found Sarah at Horizon West Bookkeeping, and I'm feeling pretty fortunate. Sarah offers acupuncturists and the AccuSprout community a couple different packages so that she can meet you where you are. If you're new to practice, she can come in and do what's called a QuickBooks startup package for you, where you get pretty deep discounts on QuickBooks for about four months. She sets up your chart of accounts, assists with linking your bank accounts, makes sure that all the transactions are imported, and then teaches you how to use it with two hours of one-on-one training. It's a killer deal. She also offers cleanup packages and catch-up packages. Not catch-up packages, guys. Catch-up packages. And a monthly package, which is what I use. And I find it quite affordable and so, so, so worth it because, honestly, I never, since the beginning, have been able to keep up with my bookkeeping. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with Sarah to make sure that you guys are the right fit for each other. And you can do that at horizonwestbookkeeping.com forward slash AccuSprout or look for the link in the show notes. Today's episode is also sponsored by Jane, an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features to power your acupuncture practice. Jane offers flexible scheduling options that match the way you work. You have the option of offering one-on-one online sessions for initial consults, meeting in person, and scheduling staggered appointments to accommodate treating patients across different treatment rooms. Jane has you covered. Keep the relaxation going with a seamless checkout experience using Jane's PCI-compliant payment solution, Jane Payments. You can collect patient credit cards securely through your intake form or at the time of booking with an online booking payment policy. This can also help reduce no-shows in your practice. It's a win-win. And Jane's unlimited SMS and email reminders can be sent automatically before each appointment as an extra layer of no-show protection. To learn more about how Jane's helpful features can help you power your acupuncture practice, head to jane.app to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their team. Or if you're ready to get started, head on over to accusprout.com forward slash Jane. And remember to use the code accusprout1mo at the time of sign up to get a one-month grace period applied to your new account. When I was writing these my blog posts back then, I had this idea in mind that I want to try to help as many people as I possibly can without ever meeting them. Welcome to the AccuSprout Podcast. This is Stacey Whitcomb, and I'm your host. Today's guest is a voice that you are all so probably familiar with, far more familiar than my voice. Super, super happy to have him on the podcast. I think that that soundbite pretty much 
uh, exemplifies what he's done so far. If there's anything that could be more perfect than what he said there, uh, touching lives that he doesn't even get to see. And that is exactly what he does weekly. And we should all be extremely grateful and throw him all of our gratitude that we possibly can. Be sure and reach out to him because we're all so fortunate to have him doing his podcast. If you haven't figured it out yet, my next guest is Michael Max of the Geological Podcast. And I just sort of want to give you the story, the little backstory of how I actually came to have him on my podcast. Um, in 2017, I think, maybe 2016, I was in school at the Oregon College of Oriental Medicine. And um, in Portland, you have to do a lot of commuting by foot or bike or bus or train or and it takes forever because traffic's hellish. And so I spent a lot of time um, either listening to recordings of my instructors and studying that way or listening to podcasts. And I came across this podcast called Everyday Acupuncture. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I have a natural talent that um, I'm sort of just a natural networker. I see where people need to meet each other. And if I can make that introduction, then I do, even without any agenda, actually. At the time, I was listening to this podcast, which was amazing. I also, one of my supervisors, I just think what he does when he's not teaching is so freaking inspirational and awesome. And I thought, man, Michael Max needs to meet him. And he is actually Andrew Schlabach of the Acupuncture Relief Project. He has set up healthcare for rural Nepal villages, and he brings out volunteers. So when you graduate, you can go work and um, serve people that really need you. And it's just an amazing program. So I'll have all this in the show notes. But ultimately, I sent Michael an email telling him that he needed to contact Andrew. And I think Andrew probably didn't even know I did this at the time. And I told Michael who I was and what I was doing and he ended up contacting me uh, because somehow in there I said I was excited about doing business again. <laughs> and uh, so he contacted me because he wanted to hear what I had to say as a new practitioner coming out who was excited about business. So then I ended up on his um, podcast uh, in an interview, I think it's episode 17, which will also be in the show notes. Uh, talking about how excited I was to do business and come <laughs> come out of school and do business. And it's a pretty funny podcast because I'm pretty confident. Uh, and now I've been out for a bit and I kind of got chewed up. So I'm a little less confident. But but it was such a great experience. And I think that a friendship was definitely formed there. And then after I graduated, I was actually on the podcast again, which you can listen to from the Chiologician side if you're a member of the uh, Chiologician group. And so now we've come sort of full circle where I get to interview him on my show. And I'm pretty excited to do that because he has a lot of business wisdom um, with tech and also with acupuncture practice. He's just kind of funny anyway, right? <laughs> I love chatting with this person. So without further ado, to somebody who has 
done so much for our field in the world at this point, right? Because it's international, his podcast. So lucky to have him today. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Michael Max. Wow, Stacy, I'm so happy to be here. It's great to have somebody else driving. <laughs> Maybe a little more relaxing. I don't know. You, you never seem like you're you're trying to think of something new or drive the bus a little. It just flows with you. I'm not trying to think of something new. Yeah, yeah, you're I doing great. I usually start off with like a couple questions in my mind, and then and then I just see. It's just like clinic. A couple questions, mm. and then you see what shows up, and then you just follow that. Why don't we start off with you telling me a little bit about your beginnings with Chinese medicine? Oh my gosh. Well, I never had any desire to do medicine. You know, I was one of those kids you're growing up, what do you want to be? Doctor was never in that. In fact, I, I was like the opposite of wanting to do medicine. And um, I mean, it wasn't until I got acupuncture for some health issues and it helped, and I just started using it. And then I was like, what the hell's going on with this stuff? Mm-hmm. What's happening here? Why, why am I feeling like this? But I just started to get interested. And you know, one thing led to another, led to another. And, you know, and then a couple decades goes by. A couple so, decades goes by, and then you go to school? Or no, did you no, no. A couple decades go by, and then I'm talking to you. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. No, I... Um, <laughs> How did it go? I think I just used acupuncture for like three or four years as a um, willing participant. Something was up. Mm -hmm. I'd go see an acupuncturist. Yeah, great. And then I got curious and I just started reading about it. The more I read, the more I wanted to know. And at a certain point, I've been doing high tech at that point. And uh, I, I was looking down the road and going, do I want to be doing this in 20 years? And the answer was no. High tech, tech yeah, jobs. High tech. Yeah. Right. Do I want to be doing this in 20 years? No. Um, do I want to be doing this in 10 years? I thought better not. And it's like, okay, now I have to f- go find something else to do. And, mm-hmm. and acupuncture was like at the back of my mind. It was just like constantly like whispering at the back of my mind. I'm not one of these people that was like, ooh, I heard about acupuncture. I had to go, right? I mean, I interviewed a guy who overheard two people talking at a restaurant. And you heard one girl say, I'm starting acupuncture school. And, he's, and he thought in his mind, I'm doing that too. And he went and enrolled the next day. That's crazy. The opposite of that dude. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about it. I had a nice middle class life. Well, tech is good. Right? I had right? a nice middle class life. I had cars that would always start. Yeah. You know, I had a nice house. And, you know, it was great. Middle class life is a good place to be, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't I hit it yet. <laughs> I don't want to lose that. <laughs> Um, so I really thought about it. And then I went and like informationally interviewed some acupuncturists mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. before I even looked at a school, I pulled out the yellow pages. This is, we're talking yeah. the early nineties, <laughs> pulled out the yellow pages. I just randomly called some acupuncturists. Oh, great. And Good. And where to, were you? What part of the country were you in at that time? Seattle. Oh, okay. So you could actually do that. <laughs> yeah, you could actually do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they all were all living in, you know, a nice life. Oh. Right? Very good. So I thought, okay, it, it's possible to have a nice middle class life and do mm. acupuncture. Hmm. So, um, yeah. So I made that. Actually, I did not make that leap. I created a job where I worked that had me in the office half time and on call for the rest of my life. 
And that allowed me to go to acupuncture school and still not leave the lifeline of a mm. nice high-tech job. Very smart. Very smart. And then... I'm risk-averse. Well, that was bright, right? Like, I just turned everything upside down, literally. In- well, I've, I've done that too at times, but I, you know, I had a nice, decent, stable life. I wasn't yeah, why? upside yeah. down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I've had plenty of time in my life. It was totally upside down, you know? <laughs> like people saying, hey, well, you know, I know we can get a meal out of this dumpster. And I'm thinking, I need to find a different line of work. <laughs> so. so tell me about your first practice. Where was your first practice? And what was that like? Do you remember um, start? Well, you had this tech job to back you up, right? When you started no, I, your No, I, the, the tech job ran out about... Mm four months before I graduated acupuncture school. Okay. They, they decided to redo all their tech and I was part of the tech that was getting redone. So <laughs> bye-bye. All right. Um, you know, which, I mean, at that point it was fine. It was like, you know what? In for a penny, in for a pound. I know I'm going to do this. I was at the end of my, my time. I had a little money saved up. You know, I like coasted to the end and then Good. started up a little practice. How did that work? It was great. I rented an office space with another acupuncturist. I had no debt because I worked my way through school. Awesome. Good for you. I am anaphylactically allergic to debt, so I don't do it unless I have to. <laughs> um, I had a lot of gray hair that I didn't have when I first started acupuncture school, though. Yeah, it's a, right. it it's was a, a toll. It was, it was tough mm-hmm. working and going to school. Yeah, I don't even know how you could manage that. I, I watched people and I just... Yeah, I was younger. I was a lot younger. Yeah. You know, I was in my 30s. He had the chief for it. Um, so, I, I, you know, I started a practice and I just started a practice. I mean, what else are you going to do? You get out of school. Mm. Um, you know, back then it was obvious that you're going to have your own practice. I mean, I went into school knowing that nobody had a job doing acupuncture. Right, right. Oh, man, late 90s. Mm-hmm. Job doing acupuncture? No. Mm-hmm. So I just... You know, Stacy, like I do anything else, it seems. It's like I if I decide to go do it, seriously, in for a penny, in for a pound, I just buckle down and do it. No fear. Well, I wouldn't say no fear. I mean, yeah. I think there's some fear, but um I am persistent and I am stubborn. Mm-hmm. And so and I'm not afraid of just like making it work. It's like, all right, what do I have to do to make it work? Good for you. And I mean, so what else now, was I going to do? I, want, I wanted to do acupuncture. What else are you going to do? That's what you do. It is, of course. Yeah. It is what you do. And you didn't have like, I mean, now there's so many things to do. Even You can go to school and you can come out and you can, I don't know, a lot of people have backgrounds. They can translate books. They can, you know, there's, I don't know. I just feel like there are contractor positions. There are, mm-hmm. um, people are hiring now. There's right. teaching. There's, there's a lot that you can do now besides just start a practice. Well, there's not a lot, but there is more. I, I would say it's a very, very different landscape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think having the internet kind of opens the field quite a bit. Too. Okay, great. Yes, absolutely. So I started my practice in the fall of 1998. Mm-hmm. I've been working in high tech. So I knew about the internet. Yeah. And so I was, you know, other people were like, oh, I got to like write articles in magazines or I have to like advertise mm-hmm. in a newspaper. And, and I, back in 1998, I was looking at it going, nope, I'm never doing any of that. I am building a website. 
And the first thing I did is build a little website. And I have used the internet my entire professional career to advertise. So would you say that you use the internet more than you do any other, I'm going to say platform, but that's an overused word at this point. Like there's no be in whatever, be whatever meetings, but what am oh, I trying those, to say? Uh, what, what are those meetings? <laughs> that, oh, Kevin, we're say, so alert. Airbnb, it's not even... Airbnb. It's, uh, <laughs> what is that? It's, it's some kind of business networking. Oh God, never mind. BNI, but we know what we're talking about. BNI. Yeah, you BNI. know what? I, I did uh, go to a few of those meetings and yeah. you know what? I decided if that's what I had to do to make acupuncture work, I was going to get a different job. <laughs> I, I'm not saying they're bad, okay? No, it's who you got to know who you and are. For some people, they're great, but I am not built for that shit. Yeah, yeah, I'm not built for it. Mm-mm. So I'm an I'm an introvert, so I'm happy to write blog posts. Okay, but don't ask me to go to a meeting and like you know give you a elevator speech. I don't even take the elevator; <laughs> I take the stairs. <laughs> Okay, so would you say that you pretty much solely started your businesses online then with blogging and so that's how people find you online? So in 1998, there was no blogging. I just put up a, a site. Yeah, a landing page, so to speak. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, we didn't even have Google back then. You know, I'm really dating myself. The big search engine back then was Alta Vista. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think back to those very early days. How did I get business? I can't even hardly remember. <laughs> I mean, I don't, know if the, I don't know if my website really brought me much business. I remember mm-hmm. some of my patients from school followed me. I had different people that I used to work with that came to see me as patients or they sent their family members to me. Um, you know, I think there is something about beginner's luck and something about, at least for me, when I like jump off the cliff and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this work or I'll just crash at the bottom, but hopefully find wings on the way down. Um, you just make it work. You make it work. And, and like, for some reason, people come to me. So it, I mean, it worked. I, I mean, maybe because you have that underlying confidence. Maybe because you're like, "Hey, here I am." You know, like you attract that, as opposed to, "Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a little nervous." I'm, you know, like you show up with confidence. People are attracted to that. I think people are attracted to confidence. Um, showing up in the beginning when you don't have enough experience to have genuine confidence is a tricky move, because. I think trying to display that, oh, yeah, I got this down. I know what I'm doing when you really don't. It, I don't think it works so well. I think there's this like sweet spot of I'm here and I'm willing to be here. I've got some things I think I can help with. There's things I'm not sure about. But it's like there's a state of congruence that if you can get cool with yourself, here's mm-hmm. what I know, here's what I don't, what I don't, I can work on. I'm not going to let it stop me. Um, for, for me, that's always been kind of a sweet spot. When you start your businesses, right? Because you've had more than one practice, right? Oh my God. Yeah. This is my third, I think. Yeah. It's my third practice Mm -hmm. right now. And what we're taught is, um, create a business plan, know your values, know your character, know your flaws, write it out, know where the money's going. How many times have you sat down and written out a business plan? 
exactly once, and I'll tell you why. Um, when I came back from Asia, I needed to find a practice. Um, I built one down at the Pike Place Market mm. because I'd been in Asia and I was used to like noisy, crowded city kinds of things. And I felt like super comfortable in a noisy, crowded part of town. The market rang true for me. <laughs> um, and, I, and I had some background early in my life where I worked at the market on the day tables like many, many years ago cool. doing stuff. Yeah. And to get a space at the market, you had to go through all these uh, meetings and you had to fill out all these applications and you had to write a business plan. So it's like, okay, to get a space here, I need to write a business plan. So I wrote a business plan. So you were actually, so the market is like, is it every day or is it just weekends? Every day. Oh, okay. For some reason, yeah. I thought it was just weekends. Yeah, no, it, it was every day. So it was like an outdoor-ish kind of vendor tent type? So, well, some of it's outdoor vendor-ish. You know, there's fish, there's fish markets, food. There's lots yeah. of different little shops. Yeah. Tons of different little shops. Cool. So you um, did that. How did that, did that go over really well? Or did you find that you were like having to explain acupuncture to 10 million people? And, you know, I would think that would yeah, be really curious. No, no, not, not really. I mean, it's Seattle, right? This is Seattle. This is like 2005 to, mm. you know, in, in a few years after that, people already know about acupuncture in Seattle at that point. That's really I cool. I don't think there was a lot of explaining to do. Yeah. It just kind of fit for me. But I would say in terms of a business plan, I mean, it's the only business plan I've ever written. I, I think there, that being said, I think there are a few important things that you should know about so you can keep your damn head above water, right? The trick is to keep your head above water and it's not that hard. Part of what you need to know is how much money do I spend every month? What do I need to live on, right? Yeah. That's not hard to find out. You just look at your bank statement or your credit card or your checkbook or how, you know, or you or just track your money. Mm-hmm. Know where your money's going. Mm-hmm. Know how much you're going to need. How much do I need for, you know, my living expenses? How much do I need for my insurance? How much do I need for rent on my office? Blah, 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 blah. Just like know what you need. If you know what you need, then you've got, it's like, you've got this bar. It's like, I need to do this. It's like, what do I, what do I need to do this month? I need to make this much money. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the beginning and the end of my financial advice. I'm, doing <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. You have to do that. You have to do that. But if you don't, you're going to suffer. Well, you. well, I mean, so I'm a, I'm a great example right now. Like, okay. So I was a year uh, let's see here. Well, just for reference sake, today's June 27th, 2020. And we're experiencing COVID in the United States and everywhere, right? Pandemic. I was a year and meh, meh, a year and some change, year and a half in. And it was January and I paid my freaking taxes and I, it was a big chunk. And I knew it when it went out. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to hustle to get this built back up real quick. And, and then COVID hit and I had a really, really low, uh, just took me right under like poof. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, and when, when COVID hit, I was like, and (laughs) there I go again, you know, like, oh, and here we go again. Here we go again. Like I just, I just, I pulled everything out. Like I told my landlord, like this isn't, I knew it, this is going to go for a while. Like I'm not going to be able to do this. And I just shut everything down. Every bit of money that was going out that I possibly could got canceled every and just done and just sit like, okay, cool. I'll know when to jump out again. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, exactly. And 
And I think it's helpful too. And I mean, you've already had experience with running businesses, right? I mean, you, you've had, you had a longstanding massage practice. You also did that when you first got out of school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know about making your way in the world and like, you know, making your own scratch, right? Yes. I mean, that, yeah. So you already, you already have that. Yes. And um, I failed too. Right. So I got, I got chewed up. Fail. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's helpful. <laughs> Oddly. Like I saw this, I saw, I saw this and felt this and knew exactly what to do right away. Right. Exactly. Yes. Cause so I had it's the not experience. a failure. No, no, no. You see no, it, you fine. know what it is and you respond appropriately. Yes. What's the proper thing here? Shut yeah. this damn thing down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't call it a failure. I'd call that a smart business decision. <laughs> Speaking of smart business decisions, I just want to say something, especially to new practitioners, since yeah. we're talking about money. I, I do have a little bit of money advice. You always have some cash in your pocket, first of all. Mm-hmm. Always have cash in your Always make sure you got cash in your pocket. You mean literally tangibly cash in your pocket or you mean in the bank? Tangibly cash in your pocket. Always okay. have some cash in your pocket. Because okay. it just feels good, and it's mm. good to know that you got cash in your pocket. Okay, walk I like it. Little, walk around with a little money in your pocket, a little I bit like more it. than you think you're going to spend in the next week. Walk around with it in your pocket. And money is almost obsolete, right? Cash money is weird now. I, I think still, I, I still never take it. I, I don't carry cash. it. I mean, I love it, yeah, but I don't. Love I don't to, actually... No, no, it's, it's important to carry cash. It's important mm. for your psyche to know, hey, I got some money here. Yeah, okay. I've heard this before. I don't know who, but. Um, carry a hundred dollar bill around in your wallet all the time. Yep. It I feels like it. abundant. I like, I like it in twenties because <laughs> it feels like you got a little more, but that's, <laughs> that's a tactile thing anyway. Yeah. 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 So, so there's that, but the other thing, and this is super, super, super important. It's like really important. Okay. A lot of times people think, Oh, look at all this money coming in. This is my money. No, it's not. And especially when it comes to taxes, no, it's not one third of the money that comes into you is not your money. It was never your money. It will never be your money. It belongs to the government. It's passing through your hands and you have to be responsible for it. Okay. So to keep yourself out of trouble and to know what the true state of your cash flow is, as you have money come in, siphon off one third of it, stick it in a separate bank account and don't touch that shit until it's time for you to pay your taxes. I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Really important. I was speaking with a bookkeeper not too long ago, and she actually has two accounts. She has an account that every all her bills are set up on automatic bill pay through one account, and there, she knows exactly how much goes in there, mm-hmm. and the rest goes into like like you said, like a holding tank, like not to spend. You know. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Sprout listeners, just wanted to pop in here and make sure that you guys got those three very important pieces of information. Just as a quick recap, uh, our uncle Michael Max is telling us about money. First thing is, uh, you got to know how much is going out. That way, you know how much you've got to bring in. Pretty simple. One of my favorite instructors in school called that covering your nut. Uh, second piece of advice is, Always keep some cash in your pocket. That feeling of abundance and having a little more than you need in your pocket can help things out too. Lastly, 30% of that money you make, put that in the bank and hide it away because that does not belong to you. That goes to the government. And I promise you, that is one of the easiest ways to fail in business right there. Not having your tax money ready when you need to pay your taxes. So, 
back to the show. What's the inspiration for Geological? Where did this come from? Oh, man. So Geological actually grew out of a previous podcast that I did mm-hmm. called Everyday Acupuncture Podcast. And Everyday Acupuncture Podcast came from going to one of those networking meetings that I hate. But I'd been away on a sabbatical. God. 2014, I think. I've been waiting on a sabbatical for like months and it was like, I need to practice talking to people again, <laughs> which was Zen Center. I didn't talk much. I totally get this though. Like, <laughs> right. so, so, so I go to this networking meeting, which is down the street from my clinic in St. Louis um, to practice talking to me. <laughs> and, and I hate these things, but you know, it's, oh, down it's so this painful. It's so painful. Go so ahead. I, so I meet this guy there and he introduces himself and we're talking. I said, what do you do? He goes, well, I, I do, I have got a podcast and I teach people to podcast. And in my mind, I'm thinking, so what big deal? <laughs> 2014. There's not that many podcasts. I mean, I don't think I yeah. even, I'd barely heard of it. I had no, yeah, I'd barely heard of it. And, and he's explaining the benefits of it and this and that and da, 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 da. It's good for your business, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, I've got a really good website. I write reasonably well. My phone rings multiple times every week with people not asking for information. They're asking for an appointment. So I think I have that stuff dialed in. Why would I be interested in doing a podcast? And he says... Oh, well, the people who listen to your podcast are not the same as the people that would read your website. Okay. I've had a few moments in my life where somebody says something and the ground underneath my feet kind of goes, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't quite happen that way for me, but I, I, okay. I, I smell what you're stepping in. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, ooh podcast might be a good idea. Now, I didn't need it to promote my practice. I had a good practice. Mm-hmm. One of the benefits of living in, a, living in a place where there's not many acupuncturists is it's really easy to build a practice, like really easy. All y'all out there that are thinking about wanting to build a practice, go somewhere where there's not a lot of acupuncturists. You can deeply, deeply serve a community and they really need you. And we need more acupuncturists in St. Louis, by the way. So if you want to come here, please do. We would love to have you. What got me going with everyday acupuncture was this idea of, oh, I think I want to play with this. I just want to see where it goes because I just had that feeling of this might be important. There's something here and I didn't need it for advertising, but there's something here. So what is that something? And I thought about it. And, and what I came up with very quickly was I wanted to do a show in plain English about Chinese medicine. Not because it was going to bring me more patients, but because it might bring acupuncturists more patients. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to do was to talk to people who've been doing Chinese medicine long enough and they understand it well enough. They can talk about anything they're doing, plain everyday English. So that maybe people who are looking for information about acupuncture or Chinese medicine would find this as a resource, listen to it and go, hmm, that might be helpful. And then they'd go look for an acupuncturist. That, that was the impetus behind everyday acupuncture. And what happened? 
what happened was after a short amount of time, I started getting emails from acupuncturists <laughs> about how much they liked it. Yeah. And I, I was, found it. And, I, and you found it. And I, I was it. dumbfounded. I was like, <laughs> whoops. What? I didn't make this for you. I made this for the general public. This is not for you. This is for them. Mm -hmm. But maybe this is for you. And, uh, and, and so then I thought, well, maybe I should do one that's for just for acupuncturists, like where we could go deep and geeky, like deep and geeky into Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. What if I was speaking to, you know, our tribe instead of the general public? And, and, and that's what started Geological. How do you feel like it's going? Damn thing wants to be a full-time business. It's killing me. <laughs> it's... Um, that's great. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's, it's become something... It's become something much, much more than I ever thought it would be. I thought it would just be these conversations and, um, you know, getting to hang out and schmooze with people that I want to talk to, which I get to do. It's great. It's one of the benefits of the job. But it also, there's two things that I see happening with it. And one of them is something I saw myself, which is that it's, it's kind of an online educational company in a way now. Mm -hmm. I see right? that. We, we do classes and, well, we used to do classes in person. At some point, we will again do classes in person. Now they're all online. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that, working with some different guests of the show. And, and that's been really rewarding and a lot, a lot of fun. But the other thing that it seems to be, and I, and I still don't know what this means yet, is I hear people say, wow, I feel really connected to our community. So it, it seems like there's some kind of essence of community that Sheological is like a, an attractor for, or it is somehow connected with, but I don't really know what that means yet. Because hmm. um, what does community mean? in an internet world. Right. You can say, well, maybe it's like Facebook or something like that, but I don't think of Facebook as community. You know, I, I'm an old guy. When I think of community, mm -hmm. I think of hanging out with someone, having a cup of coffee or like doing what we're doing. We're sitting down, we're having like actual time together. It's not these short transactional, you know, here's a blip and, and here's an Instagram and here's a quote and here's a picture of my breakfast. And, um, so I don't know what it means that geological has something to do with community. I just know that I hear it and I feel like I'm in a process of discovery about that. I think we all are, especially even more so now with a pandemic. I think, I think my perspective on what that community looks like as you were talking, I was like, Oh wait. So I'm sure that, you know, when, when people could fly, when commercial flight came about and we could travel, the world got, all of a sudden things were accessible, right? And so I'm a new practitioner and you're making people accessible that would otherwise be inaccessible to me. In other words, you're talking to some people that in my lifetime, I would never be able to hear what they had to say or talk to unless you did it. So, and it's global, right? You talk to people in China, you talk to people in Australia, and you're bringing us together. And that, I think, is maybe what the community is. You're, you're like a, a magnet. 
welcome to being a magnet. I don't know that <laughs> that just kind of like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. I, I get, I bumble around with this word community too. I feel like we're betraying what a real community is by saying, yes, yes, oh, yes, you're yes, a community. Yes. No, yeah. Maybe that's why Seth Godin is, and I think it's Seth Godin calls it tribe, right? But then that's a loaded term as well. So I don't know. It's, it's just, I don't know, man. Just, tribe, tri- the word tribe, I, I get it that it's a popular modern term. Oh, it's my tribe. But tribes scare the hell out of me. Yeah, tribes right. Are, mm-hmm. Tribes are not, it's like, what's the difference between a tribe and a clan? Ew, gross. <laughs> well, but I mean, I mean, I get it. I mean, you know, words have impact. I'm not saying clan with a K. I'm saying clan. I'm saying clan like my kin clan. Yeah. My people clan. Oh, I, very I get close. It. I yeah. get it that you know. I don't want to get into this conversation actually, but but since we're already in a little bit, words can be very impactful, right? And you can like yeah. hear a word and go, "Oh, they mean this," or "It's a dog whistle to that," or what I mean by clan, what I mean by tribe is the people that we're closely connected to, which gives us a certain kind of sense of community. But often in, in those super tight communities, I don't know, I've got a feeling that we kind of romanticize what it's like to be in a tribe because that sounds like living in a small town. Yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily what this is, right? We go back to the word community. It's, still, it's not quite a community either, you know? I, so yeah, so the word we just so don't have a word. Well, I, I I think we do have a word. I think community does begin to describe it. That being said, I think it would be helpful if, in doing this, we can somehow define what we mean by community. Yeah, because I think it means different things to different people. Pre-internet folk probably have a different sense of community than post-internet folk. Um, if you've lived in some kind of a commune or something, you might have a different sense of community than if you hadn't. Um, if you feel really connected to maybe a church group or a meditation group or you know whatever spiritual wanderings you do, there might be a sense of community that defines that, right? We got our, our community of Chinese medicine practitioners. We, there's a kinship. Maybe... I've been thinking about this a lot lately, especially with all the race stuff that's going on, is um, kinship. What does it mean to have kinship? I like that word. Because when we're, it's like when you're with kin, they could be really different from you, but you're kin. And so you still, you're still connected, even though you might be a cuckoo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like that word. I like that word. So I'm going to pivot a little bit. Okay. If a new practitioner were trying to, not trying, if a new practitioner were about to launch right now, what advice would you have for them? What about setting up a practice right now? Yeah. Okay. So keep in mind, I've had a practice that's had wheels on it for the past 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, I, I haven't needed to think about it too much because it's just running, right? Yeah. Thing just works. Back when I set my practice up here in St. Louis, 2009, um, we didn't have Instagram. I think Facebook was just coming on. I can't remember if we had Facebook or not back then. I bet we didn't. Um, 
we didn't have Twitter. Maybe we did, but it wasn't used like it is now. I mean, a bunch of the social media stuff just wasn't happening at that point. Mm-hmm. So for anyone out there that knows something about social media and it works for them and they feel like it is an avenue to connect and to bring people into your sphere of influence, I would say by all means, use it in the way that you understand it and use it in the way that you know it. I have approximately zero experience with that. So, so I can't speak to that. All I can say is if you have that experience, use it. What I did was a thing called content marketing. Mm-hmm. So remember I said earlier when I first started a practice, I wasn't buying advertisements in like newspapers yeah. or magazines. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I was of a generation. It's like, or billboards, right? Sometimes I'm driving down the road and there's like a billboard for, you know, a <laughs> chiropractor or something here in St. Louis. I'm like, who the hell would go to a doctor who advertises on a billboard, right? <laughs> I would run the opposite direction. And it was the same thing when I see people like advertising in little community newspapers, I'd be like, why would I go to them? It's just, I mean, for me, I'm not the person that would do that. I want to hear from someone who has experience with this person who knows and likes and trusts them. Mm-hmm. That's how I want to look for mm-hmm. a practitioner. So I've always been that way. And, I, and I've just had this thing about, I'm not spending money on advertising. I'm not doing it. It's a waste of money. <laughs> just me. So, I, I totally am that way too. I'm not, you, I'm, not, okay. I'm not shelling out money like that. No. No, it's stupid. no. So, and I know there's a whole thing like, oh, Google AdWords. You can buy Google AdWords. It'll get you on the first page of Google. You'll be up at the top. Well, here's the thing about Google AdWords. You can be on the first page of Google, but if they hit your website and your website sucks, you just wasted that click. It's not about being on the first page of Google. It's about getting people to your website and making your website so luscious, they stick around to find more find out more about you and what you do and if you can help them. And so there's this thing called content marketing and and basically it goes like this, write a lot of articles on your website so that when people are looking for help, they're going to find you. A lot of times people think of a website as like, oh, this is my homepage and people need to find my homepage. That is completely incorrect. The homepage is the second or third page they will go to. You want people to find the page on your website that answers the question that they typed into Uncle Google to find a solution for the problem that they have. They probably typed in something like acupuncture for nosebleeds or you know, <laughs> acupuncture for sprained ankles or acupuncture for fertility. I mean, whatever, whatever they're looking for going to type that in. They're going to type in more Chinese medicine or acupuncture or something like that. And they're going to put in their zip code or the name of their city. If you've got a page on your website that answers those questions, they're going to find you. Now, here's the great thing about using Google in this way. First of all, it's free. Secondly, it will get you on the first page, but it's only going to get you on the first page of the people that are near you. You do not need to be on the first page of Google for a search on acupuncture. In fact, you don't want to be. You want to be on the first page of Google on a search for your local community because those are the people coming to you. Unless you've got some kind of a practice that you're doing on the internet and you're all over the country, and then that's a different story. But I'm talking to all y'all that have a practice and it's local and you want people from your like immediate 50 miles to come see you. Yeah. Make sure that the address 
of your clinic and zip code is at the bottom of every single web page, mm-hmm. in the footer mm-hmm. of your website. And then you just write articles, write these, you know, if you're using WordPress, you can do it as a blog post and write in a way that is delightful for people to read. Don't write in some sort of corporate speaker, according to Chinese medicine, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you, you want to write like you talk and you want to answer people's questions. Mm-hmm. You want to, so basically what you want to do are the following. You want to, number one, answer their question by demonstrating your expertise. Show that you know what you're talking about. Part of the way you do that is you give them some information in your blog post that, that lets them know that you see them, you understand the problem they have. So they get there and they read it and they go, whoa, this person like gets me. I've been on their website for 30 seconds. By the way, you've got about four seconds before people click away if they're not finding what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Right? If they're already on your website 30 seconds, you, you, know, you can set that hook. Make sure that, that they feel like they've been seen in the writing that you do. And then be generous and give them a possible for solu- solution for how they can solve their problem without ever coming in to see you. Oh, you got this issue with your menstrual cramps. Okay, well, avoid the sodas and the cold drinks mm-hmm. and like drink hot tea before your period and do that throughout your period. You've just demonstrated your expertise and you've just generously given them a solution. Maybe they never need to come to see you. But one thing for sure, when they think about acupuncture, guess who they're going to think about? Right? You. Finally, at the end of every single blog post, you have to put in a call to action. Call me if you want more information. Sign up for my newsletter because I try to help people without ever meeting them. And there's health tips in there. Or if you've got this problem, come and see me now. Make an appointment. It doesn't matter what it is. Ask them to do something. Super important. And you don't have to be like all salesy, you know, and, and, and schmoozy about it. It's just like, hey, if this is helpful, let me know. Give me a call. Here's my phone number. Come in for a cup of tea. We'll chat about it. Whatever. And you do that every single day. Not every single day. I'm lying. If you really want content marketing to work and get yourself onto the first page of Google, and I guarantee you can do it in your local market. I guarantee you can do it. You need to post two posts a week for six months. Just do it. You have a ton of material on your web material on your website. So now anytime someone's typing in acupuncture for and something about you've written about, that's a page that Google can serve up to the person who's typing in that, that question. You don't mm-hmm. have one homepage. You might have 75 pages that people would land on mm-hmm. looking for exactly what they're looking for. Hey, Sprouts. If you're anything like me, you're multitasking at this point in time during the podcast because that's what I do too. So, hey, I just want to highlight again four awesome points that our Uncle Michael Max just threw down. Uh, so pay attention. First of all, if you're on social media, keep at it. Build your listenership or readership, whatever you're doing, um, and really focus on the ins and outs. I suggest personally taking only one, like Instagram. Get really good at Instagram. Just pick one platform. Forget about doing all of them. Um, if that's not your jam, uh, you definitely want to be taking a good look at your website. 
Uh, and then he's saying, hey, write some content, write those blog posts. And he said two a week for six months. You guys can do this before you even launch. You can write blog posts on paper or whatever, like put them in a file in your computer so that when you do your website, you've already got them. It's huge, 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 huge. I wish I would have done that. So number three is... Make sure your address is at the bottom of every single page on your website. Dude, I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Lastly, on all of those blog posts, have a call to action. And I'm going to I'm going to up the game a little bit here and say have a call to action where you give away a PDF or whatever, but you want to capture emails. All right, let's see what other pearls he's going to throw down. So I just want to go back and review again exactly what you said. So you're saying Give the people who show up at your website something. Answer a question. Be of value. Absolutely. Why else yeah. would they stick around? They're yep. looking for a problem to their solution. I'm, I'm sorry. They're looking for a problem to their solution. They're li- <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are, really. I mean, seriously. Um, whoa, whoa. But, but you know what? Hang on. Let's just, let's just hang with that for a second. <laughs> I mean, that was a total mix-up in words. And I think you're right. I think it's true. There are people who are looking for a problem for their solution. They've already decided what it is that they want. And now they've got to find a way to justify or create it or, you know, reverse yeah. engineer. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of a thing. <laughs> um, and we sometimes do see people like that. They've got a oh, solution. Yeah. They think Absolutely. acupuncture is going to be the solution. And, yeah. but, but they've actually already made up their mind that in a certain way, unless it unfolds in exactly a specific way, then it's, then not, gonna not, it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, another thing that you said that I think is really important is a call to action. That's mm-hmm. huge, right? A call to action. In my research, which I've been doing for a year now about business and tech, and you you want an email list. You want to grow an email list. And it sounds icky and tacky and blah, blah, blah. Why but is it icky you, and tacky? Oh, to me, it seems, oh, I'm just prepping because we've got people out there that hate business, right? And like, why am I going to collect an email address? Okay, so if can, you I, can, 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 can I ask you a question? Yeah. All right. If you go out on a date <laughs> and you're kind of interested in the person, uh-huh. would you like to get a little kiss at the end? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. So asking for an email address. <laughs> it's like, like a kiss at the end. <laughs> it's like a little kiss at the end. I mean, I, I mean, if you're approaching it from the point of view of, ooh, this is icky, then, then the person is, well, I don't know if I want to give them my email address, but if it's kind of yeah. like, it's like a little kiss, how about a little kiss? <laughs> well, and I think, I think it's, why not? I, it's just that inviting. Yeah. And that, and it's just that too. Like, I think it's great now. Like I'm, I'm all for it. Collecting. I mean, you're going to, you're going to have so much more, I say capital, but it, it is there's capital. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with capital that you get shit done. Yeah. Yeah. Money and, is good. Well, I mean, really even just. Tool. Even just potential capital is your email list is potential capital. Like it's yes. crazy. You have to build an email list. And I, another way that you can do that, and this is a way you can in your blog, you can give away a PDF or you can give away, um, you can make a SoundCloud meditation that you give away or you can give away and you can say, hey, want to get better sleep? Practice these breathing exercises. Go ahead and, you know, sign this or get in here with the email and I'll send you uh, information. And then you're giving them even more. And when they have a problem, maybe they're not going to come see an acupuncturist now, but when they have a problem, you're the one that they're going to come see because you, they remembered you. Because you were generous. Because you were generous. Yeah. 
and you yeah. were helpful. You were yeah. helpful and you were generous. And those, and that's not schmarmy. That's not nasty. No, it's amazing. I think it's great. Are, and everybody feels good from that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Give. Be of service. Give. Be of service. And I think many of us, we really want to be, and yet we start to think about marketing and we conjure up the worst experiences we've had with marketing and imagine that we're going to do that. I think if you go at it from the perspective of just give, just give, yes, you're going to want to get their email address, but if you give them so, so much just love and you answer their questions and share something new with them, then you're building relationships before they're even in your office. When I was writing these, my blog posts back then, I, I had this idea in mind that I want to try to help as many people as I possibly can without ever meeting them. I want it to be mm. in that mindset of generosity. I'm never going to meet these people. I want to help them. I'm never going to, and I, you know, and if I do my job really well, I'll never meet them. I want exactly to give that that sense to it, and and not just from like a bullshit. Oh, I'm going to be fancy with words, but like this is this is the place I want to come from with the work that I do. Yep, I think you're you're speaking to the crowd now. I think that's completely it. Like give, just give and make that your beginning and it will come. Like all that will come. It might, but even if it doesn't, I mean, I, it, how do I say this? I think we have to be careful with being transactional. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, there's this thing of, Oh, I'm going to give them all this and I'm going to get something from them like patience. Mm -mm. It, if you make it transactional, it's going to feel a little bit tainted. Yep. Um, so it's just something to be attentive to. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about one more that I'm really interested in your perspective. Mm. This is a, a business question in my research about how to put a podcast together and how to, how to, I don't know, how, how to become successful, how to create a successful podcast. Not that that might, it might happen. It might not. Who knows? But, um, you know, there's a saying, the riches are in the niches, right? Mm -hmm. Riches are in the niches. Riches are in the niches. That's and why it's geological. Yeah. And this has been a thing, like, this was complicated for me when I started my practice because I think when you come out, or especially coming out of school, you f I felt, I'll speak for myself, I felt like, like somebody just took a hammer to my entire life and all of my thoughts and every part of me and rearranged me. Cause you go through and you do your own healing when you're in school and your own work and your own, not your own all, but you know, you get broken and then you got to put it all back together again. If, so coming if out, school, I, if school doesn't break you down a little bit, yeah, they done their job very well. No, right. So when you come out, you're kind of jumbled, like, but not everybody. I mean, maybe people really, but anyway, I had an orthopedic background with the massage and I've worked with PTs and, and I am very comfortable with that type of acupuncture as well. Um, but I kind of didn't know, like I'm a whole different person now. I don't know if that's going to be it. So I didn't, I just kept everything wide open. And now I think, especially now, if you're going to launch a practice I think, I want to know what you think too. Mm -hmm. It's probably in your best interest to claim a niche. If you're a niche kind of person. All right. So talk to me about that. I'm not a niche kind of person. Mm. Wouldn't work. I'd be bored out of my mind. Okay. I really like a general practice. Now, I mean, there are places where I get niche so to speak, right? Um, there's some study that I've done with herbs over the years 
that have like looked into a particular um, school of thought, so to speak, or stream of, of practice. Right. Um, there's different kinds of acupuncture that I've worked with over the years. Um, not because it was, you know, like just orthopedic or, you know, facial rejuvenation or, you know, I mean, whatever, you know, particular, you know, or like, uh, you know, just digestive issues or just fertility. I, I, I'm less interested in looking for a niche with what I treat in terms of patients. I do like taking aspects of the medicine and really diving into them. So I feel like I can learn it and understand it from the inside. And so I'll go niche in those ways. Like right now, I'd say my practice is very much influenced by the Sa'am mm-hmm. method right. because I've, I've really been spending some time with it and, it, and I just keep, it keeps teaching me. So I keep going with it. Would I call myself a Sa'am practitioner? No, I wouldn't. I, I really, I think there's so many different ways to approach our medicine. This is something that I've been working with and I enjoy working with and I find it super useful for my patient. But I think it's, it's good to kind of niche down on methods so you can learn it mm. super well. If you have a passion for something, so like you with orthopedics because of your background, then following that would be great. If someone has had, say, neurological issues and they learned to treat it well with acupuncture and it's really helped them or someone really focuses on skin and, and, and they do it well and, and that's where they want to be, then absolutely go niche on that stuff. And like you said, the riches are in the niches. So the great thing about a niche is you become the expert. And people like to see experts. And you generate a lot of wind for your sales in that you get enough people treated and they're like, oh yeah, you know, look, look at me. I'm totally different right now because of this. And then they tell their friends who had a similar problem. Super great word of mouth. But again, if you've got that kind of a spirit and that kind of a personality that you want to do that, then do it. But it wouldn't work for me because I love to tinker. And so I, I just, I don't have the personality for that. Since you are in an area where there is, there are very few Chinese medicine practitioners, it's maybe in your better interest to be a general practitioner as well. I would be a general practitioner in Seattle and still do okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's because that's it's, you. Because if you just stick at it, you'll get it. It takes time. I mean, it really yeah. takes some time. But if you stick at it, you'll get it. And and if you enjoy the work that you do and you're helpful to people, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say, you know, build it and they will come. I think there's a lot more nuance than that, but I think it's best to work out of who you are. You have to work in a way that you're true to yourself and business will teach you a lot about who you are. I mean, even when I did massage, the first five years out was just an exploration of what I was going to attract, who I am as a person. You're still, I think the first five years out, just like I'm learning right now, like, oh, okay, so I dove away from orthopedic acupuncture. And guess what happened? I had a runner show up who runs with a group and I did my thing and now I have athletes again. Like it doesn't, you can, <laughs> you know, I can't get away from it. So it's, and it's great. I love it. It's fine. It's fine. But I didn't know if that was who I was going to be again. And it is. Mm-hmm. It is yeah, it is. It's where I'm, it's a comfort zone. So I think I agree with you. Well, 
I think this is a good spot to wind down a little bit. Is there uh, anything else you want to share with the new practitioners out there? It's really hard to say because I have not been a new practitioner for so many years. Mm. In some ways, I've not been a new practitioner for so many years. And then, you know, we're, we're recording this in the midst of the, I, I wouldn't say it's the second wave of COVID. I would say it's the... <laughs> it's a mess. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. We, let's not get into that. But, you know, <laughs> we, we we know where we stand here at the end of June 2020. So in some ways, even though I've had a practice for 20 some odd years and it's had wheels on it, and I wouldn't call myself a new practitioner. In some ways, I'm having to be a new practitioner because I'm doing more online than mm-hmm. I was doing in the past. Um, and even the people that I see, I mean, the way that you run a practice now is so very very different. So I, I feel like I'm learning to practice all over again in some ways. I just started seeing people about two weeks ago, and I, and I just realized, especially for new patients, I need for them to send me a photograph of them so I know what they actually Oh, are. right, right. Because I, I realized I have no idea what my patients look like. And exactly. it's, it's um, And that's an impediment. So I think there's all these different ways that when the environment changes, so to speak, and we have to change the way that we're working, you know, we're kind of a new practitioner in a way, but we also bring all the life experience that we've had, mm-hmm. which is helpful. So I, I really don't know what to say to new people out of school. This is a particularly difficult moment to get a practice going because it's not what? It's not like anything I've seen before. I mean, that being said, as soon as I open my practice back up, you know, it's, it's already full. Is it? Okay. Well, that's partly because I'm only seeing half as many people because, you know, you got to leave space and only one person at a time, blah, 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 blah. But what would I say to someone new? Sorry, I'm I'm just being kind of roundabout with this, but I'm just, I'm realizing how far away I am from beginning to be a practitioner. That being said, you're starting a new business. In some ways, geological is morphing into a new business. So if I, I tap into that, I would say the thing to do is keep trying new things. See what works. See what doesn't. The places that scare you, lean into it a bit. The things that you're not good at, if you're really lousy at it, for me, that's bookkeeping. And then I just have to find a way to hire the bookkeeper to make that stuff work. Yep. The stuff I can do myself, I should do myself. The stuff that I can't do because I don't like it, I really do need to give it to someone else. The stuff that's above my pay grade, mm-hmm. I have to hire someone to do it. So I think those things are important, but mostly um, lean into it. In the places where you're uncomfortable, look and see what the resistance is. Often we have resistance to the very most creative aspects of ourselves, but it requires us to, you know, in some ways like a seed become completely undone and disintegrate so we can become something else. That's not going to be comfortable. You couldn't have closed an AccuSprout podcast better than that. Holy smokes. Yeah, I guess not. (laughs) I mean, seriously, that's why you do the podcasts. (laughs) All right. So we can find you at geological.com. Yep. Yes, you can. 
And, and 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 here's where else you can find me. You can find me at Yongkang Chinese no Yongkang Clinic dot com. You want to spell that? Uh, y o n g k a n g Clinic dot com. So, you know, I was talking about websites. I've not really updated mine in a long time because the thing just works, and mm-hmm. you know, so I put my energy into geological instead of updating my website. But if my practice started to to sink a little bit. I'd be back mm-hmm. on there writing this blog post again. Feel free to go peruse that website and steal any idea that would be helpful for you. Awesome. Super. Um, okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I feel so honored and grateful to have you here. It's always fun to talk to you. I've enjoyed having you on the show, right? Yes. You've been thank on you. Geological a couple of times. It's always been wonderful. Yeah. Thanks. So if people want to know more about what you're doing, they can check out the episodes there. And I'm just, thank you so much for inviting me. True. Thank you, Michael. This concludes another episode of AccuSprout. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys really enjoyed listening to this version of Michael Max. I think it was kind of fun. So here's your call to action. Head over to the geological.com website and consider joining his, quote, community and becoming a geologician, which supports his podcast. And I promise you guys, this is so much work. And he's done it for years. Um, He has two versions of memberships. Take a look at it and see if one of them speaks to you. If that's not your jam, maybe just head on over to iTunes. And even if all you do is give him a star rating, that will be super super helpful. And right now he's sitting at like 176. Let's try to get him up to 200. So only you know, a couple of you need to head over and do that. And you can also leave a review, which drives the algorithms and gets his podcast out to more people. So if you'd like to support that way, that would be truly amazing as well. One last call to action. If you know anybody who would like to be on this podcast, I would love to hear from you. Or if there's something that a topic that you want me to cover, I really, really, really want to dive into it for you. So you can contact me at hello at accusprout.com. Take care.
that's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. And if you appreciate this podcast, it would be amazing if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a great review. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then that's okay. No worries. Just skip it.